you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Hey, today in Matthew's Gospel, the apostles are in a boat, again, in a storm, on the lake. And Jesus is with them, right? Because the first time, he was asleep in the boat, and he just woke up and calmed the storm. Well, that's what's odd. This time, he's not with them. (gasps) But he comes to rescue them anyway. He does. We'll see how today on More Than Ink. Well, yeah, you found us. This is More Than Ink. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we're glad that you're back with us. We are we are reading our way through the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, uh, we're in Chapter 14, if you're following with us. But last time we were here, we need to kind of set the context. Um, go back to what you were talking okay, about before. Okay, so we remember that, that at the feeding of the 5,000, which is what just happened, uh, yes. that had happened immediately following when Jesus receives the news of the death of John the Baptist. And so his response to that was, uh, let's withdraw in a boat to a lonely place. Yeah, right? But when the crowds while. saw that he was leaving and heard mm-hmm, where he was mm-hmm. going, they followed him and that precipitated the the thousands of hungry people in the field. It that was then a, had big to be fed. Okay, a big event. Okay, but that's a huge and significant event. I think in a previous conversation, you even called it probably one mm-hmm. of the most important miracles in the New Testament. Oh, it's so well known. It's and all four gospels record it. Yeah. So yeah. it is a very important thing, and so um, Jesus, they've just done that. Yeah, and so it's it. We have to keep in mind that Jesus has been sort of on overdrive mm-hmm. for a while. I mean, he wanted to get away potentially, I guess, to grieve for John the Baptist, couldn't. The people followed him into what he designed was a really far away place, but they well, found him. And if you think about it as a human being to receive the news of the death of John the Baptist, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this is this is serious business now. We've just taken mm-hmm. a turn mm-hmm. into the into the deeper water, right, uh, right. in a sense. Right. And so uh, it doesn't surprise me at all that Jesus would want to get away to a lonely place and, and just be with his father over that. Yeah. Yeah, and as I as you read the parallel passage in John's gospel about mm-hmm. this feeding the five thousand, it says in chapter six of John, it says that the people came to make him king. Right, and so that enthusiasm is uh, something that Jesus has got to cool down here right now. So that's where we get to as we look in uh, chapter fourteen, verse twenty-two is. He's trying to cool things down a little bit, and he's trying again to find that solitude that he's looking for. So again, we do we start off today's uh, episode with an escape from the people. Again, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of an interesting one because this yeah. is the I think this is the only time that's recorded that Jesus actually told the disciples, "Now you go away because I'm going to stay here." Yeah, and he did send them out, but this is he's just sending them home. Yes, so yes. that's so. kind of interesting. Shall we start reading? Sure, let's do it. Fourteen twenty-two of the Gospel. Matthew. Okay. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. 
When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Mm. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Okay, let's stop, stop it right there, there for a second. Yeah, because <laughs> suddenly <laughs> things are different. <laughs> so let's recap. So he he actually he, he well he made the disciples right. get in the boat. He can get the he, he had to he talk had them to into insist that. on that. And yeah. you know, if I make up a little dialogue, I can see Jesus saying, "You guys get in the boat, and you're coming with us." No, I'm staying here. Well, then we're not going to leave you. No, you got to go. So he made them leave and leave him behind. That's right. deliberate. Would have been a long walk home. That's right, and to go to the other side and and. If you look in the other Gospels that have this account, this is one of the most fascinating events to read in the other Gospels because there's a lot of extra information mm-hmm. if you go around. But it says when they went to the other side, they're going to aim for the other side. Uh, in Mark's Gospel, it says they're going to Bethsaida. And in John's Gospel, it says they're going to Capernaum. So they're just going. Well, they're just heading out. That's hometown area. That's the yeah, general that's hometown area. area. Yeah, so... So he did that. He sends them off, and he dismisses the crowds. And I, I, I suppose when they see the boat going, they figure, well, things are really done. So the apostles go off in the boat, and then Jesus stays behind. Um, and he goes up the mountain by himself to pray. So finally he gets this solitude he's been trying to get mm-hmm. after the death of John the Baptist. But when evening came, he was there alone, it says, in verse 24, and the boat by this time was a long way from the land. Again, a nice a nice fact you get from John's gospel, it was three or four miles away. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know anything about the dimensions of the Sea of Galilee, at its widest spot, it's only about seven and a half miles so wide. they're right out in the middle. So they're in the, they're, they're they're in the center. They're about as far as they can <laughs> yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, they're as far from land on both sides. Right. Yeah, so they're, they are really out there, and they're getting beaten by the waves. Sounds like another story we had with them where it looks like they were going to drown well it's interesting because this is the second time that jesus has calmed the storm and you know to compare those two the other one in matthew's gospel is in matthew 8 yeah and in that time he was actually in the boat with them and was asleep and they woke him up and said lord don't you care right Right. save us save us Uh, but this one is completely different and i when we read to the end of the story here we'll make a comment on their different response yeah it it is quite interesting because they bear a striking resemblance well it says a couple more details that are important 24 um okay they're a long way from the land so there's they're as far they're they're at the halfway point not even turning around is going to help them uh, it, it's a long way from, it's beaten by the waves, so that's similar, and the wind was against them, and the only way they can go against the wind is by rowing, so these guys are working They're working really very, hard. Very, very hard. And how long have they been doing this? For Verse a 25, while. Uh, in the fourth watch, and uh, you know, they take they take the night time, like from six in the evening to six in the morning, and you chop it into four three-hour sections. Those are the four watches, so this fourth watch is going to go from about 3 a.m. in the morning to 6 a.m., so these guys presumably left you know at sundown maybe yeah, something like that it was dusk or you know the end right. of the long they, day but they were tired but already. they were tired so they've been rowing all night and it's somewhere between three and six in the morning hmm. i mean they are just bushed they that's what really we call tired. the wee hours right yeah. <laughs> when you're just not sure of yourself you've yeah. been up all night you can hardly think straight yeah think massive exhaustion and mm-hmm. that's where they are right now and frustration because they're halfway across the lake and they're and they're all out of gas and they're working as hard as they can to get to the other side and then Jesus decides uh, to join them. <laughs> but interestingly enough, the question that re- comes to my mind, did he decide to join him in the boat or to join them on land? 
And that's where one of the other gospels gives us some interesting insight because it turns out in Mark's gospel, it says that he meant to pass them by. Right. So he was just gonna. He was just on his way to the shore to meet them on the other shore on the other side, and then uh, he happens to come close enough to the boat, and they see him, and they freak out. Okay, but he didn't just happen. To no, come no, no, close. no, I no. mean, you're setting us up like Jesus didn't know what he was doing. Of course, he knew what he was doing. No, I'm not saying it was an accident. I'm saying he was on his way to the other shore, <laughs> yeah. and if they hadn't spotted him, that's exactly what he probably. Yeah, that's done. an interesting detail. Because because they spotted him and said it's a ghost, they were terrified. So. So, so this is what's going on. He, and then from the water, while he's on the water, he says, take heart, it's I, don't be afraid. And that's that's where we are right here. That's these, where we are. These exhausted guys, and they see what they think is a ghost walking on the water, but it's Jesus. And he says, it's me. And then the story turns really interestingly in 28. And by the way, what you're going to read next in 28 is not in the other Gospels. Only in Matthew's yeah, account. So let's see what this very interesting turn is. So the Lord says, Take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Okay, stop. Why on earth would Why he would say that? that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's I, really enthusiastic. You know, I don't know. You got to kind of think that Peter, you know, he has this reputation of speaking before he thinks. Like, right, oh, right. what if Jesus says, okay, come. Right. So... So he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Okay, this whole picture is mind-bending. It is very mind-bending. It's very mind-bending. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, "Truly, you are the Son of God." Mm. Oh, so I don't what? even know where to start to comment on this. There's <laughs> and some I'm, questions. I, I've always been fascinated why this account of Peter making his attempt to walk in the water is not carried anywhere else. It's it's just here. It does actually make sense that it wouldn't be in Mark's gospel because people have surmised for years that Mark's gospel is primarily spoken from Peter. Right. So, so maybe Peter's in kind of a humility, Peter says, let's not cover that part. Let's just let's just do this. But, you know, uh, it turns out that Matthew and John both, uh, Ma- Matthew alone says this is what's what happened. So fascinating. So isn't it interesting that, that Peter has enough faith to get out of the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then it's like he can't believe what he's doing. Yeah. And he looks around at the waves. He takes his eyes off Jesus and looks around at his circumstances right, and right. starts to sink. Right. A nice a nice uh, moment to think about what walking by faith is all well, about. Well, you know, it's such a simple story, but it just gives us this very visual picture of what that is mm-hmm. to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Yeah, yeah. No matter what the circumstance, no matter you think you're doing something you have no power to do, you can't possibly know what to do next. And yet, it fixing his eyes on Jesus is what was going to keep him walking in the storm on the water. And the right, minute he stops right. doing that, he starts to sink. But isn't it lovely? He cries out and Jesus reaches out his hand and grabs him. Grabs him. Takes yeah. hold of him. He goes, whoa there. Yeah. It's interesting that he says too, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? That's the same thing he said to them the first time this happened yeah, in the boat, yeah, right? Yeah, Peter yeah. wasn't walking on the water the first time, but yeah. he, he says to them that time too, back in Matthew 8, oh, little faith. Yeah. And what did he doubt? Uh, you know, he doubted Jesus' ability to get him across the water because 
the circumstance of the wind and the waves became a bigger picture in his mind right. than Jesus' capability. Which yeah. really uh, always, always is what happens to us, That's isn't it? What when, happens, we, yeah. when we stop fixing our gaze on the one certain thing and start looking at the circumstances, then we lose our... Well, because the circumstances are in circumstances technicolor. Are terrifying. They're big, and it doesn't take much for your mind to imagine what how it could go even worse. So this, this set me thinking of, and you're going to laugh when I say this, it set me thinking of laboring in childbirth. Because back in the days when I was giving birth, we, we did a... a preparation time oh, and pa- and having a focal, point, focal point was point. part of that right. so that when the when the contractions got the worst you could just drill a hole in that focal point with your eyes and get and breathe through it right yeah. so fixing your eyes on the one still point mm-hmm, takes mm-hmm. your attention off everything else well it keeps you from over overlooking no that's the wrong word by by over what am I trying to say? I don't looking, know. Looking what are you too trying much to say? Well, I'm just thinking in the childbirth case, your focal point had nothing to do with trust in the focal point. We oh, had no, no, no. Thing but it was an attention issue. But what it is is it diverted your attention from dwelling right. too much on, on the, the pain and the circumstance. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Well, that's what I was getting at, too. Yeah. Maybe I didn't say it very well. And set me thinking about... Um, a little incident in the life of Jehoshaphat back in Second Chronicles 20 when yeah, he's man. looking out over One of my the enemies of Israel who are all lined up to attack and his prayer to the Lord is, you know, will you judge them? We yeah. don't know what to do, we don't know but what our to do. eyes are on you. Yeah, yeah. One of well, my favorite stories. Well, that describes Peter here, yeah. right? Yeah. Another interesting thing is that Peter actually asks him to command him to come out. Now, I think that's... Yeah, why? I'll give him points for that because he's not being presumptuous. You know, he could have seen Jesus no. walking on the water. And he would go, ooh, here we go, and jump out of the boat. And that would that would be presumptuous. So he says, well, you know, if you want, you can command me to come out. And... And he says, okay, come out. Well, he doesn't say it exactly that. He says, Lord, if it's you. So he's, you know, he's trusting yeah. that at some point he's going to recognize the voice of his Lord. Yeah, but I'm saying he actually asks permission. He says, command me and I'll do it. He's waiting to be commanded to do it. I think that's what's interesting. And I give him points for that because up to hmm. this point, Peter's always very presumptuous in many ways and kind of spontaneous. This is spontaneous too, but he's saying, basically, I'm not going to come out unless you command me. And Jesus says, okay, well, come. Well, I'm not even sure about that, because why on earth would he come out well. in the first place? I, <laughs> that is not a, human, well, I'm not sure a Peter, human instinct. I'm not sure Peter was thinking that what Jesus was doing was something they could replicate, that it was intended for oh, them. See, so that's not. what it's like. I, he doesn't He doesn't want to be out of order here. So I, so I give him a point for that. That's all I'm saying. And then he actually does get huh. out of the boat and starts to walk, and then dwells too much on how big the problem is, and now how much Jesus is bigger than the problem. That's that's the problem. That's where he doubts. Oh, you have little faith. Yeah. So if you remember back in Matthew 8, when after Jesus says, why are you timid, you men of little faith? He rebukes the winds and the sea. This is Matthew 8, 26, and it becomes perfectly calm. And then they marvel saying, what kind of a man is this that right, even the right. winds and the sea obey him? That was a little while ago, but mm-hmm. before uh, here at this point, they say, "Oh, surely you are the Son of God." Right, right. And this is the first point that this flag is stuck in the ground. I right, mean, this is a big deal right, right here. However, again, if you read the other gospel accounts, there's there is some division in the boat. 
Oh, it turns out. Because when you read Mark's gospel, it says, and this is the response, this is the mixed response. First, they were utterly astounded. Okay, that matches. And then, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Right, their hearts were hardened. So we actually have a mixed response in the boat when you read both gospel right. accounts. Yeah. So, so there's a lot going on. But this is the first time anyone has actually said, you're the son of God, we finally got it. Which they weren't even willing to do when Jesus stopped the storm when they were all dying in the boat. Well, they weren't. They weren't there yet. Yeah, they weren't they there yet. They were just wondering, okay, yeah. this guy's special. Yeah, yeah. But now now it's different. Things are things are shifting, but I just want to point out, if there's still a little division in the boat. Not everyone is sure who this is, so but you, some of them are. What I love is the simplicity of this story, right? If you just focus on what Jesus does, he comes to them in the storm. Mm-hmm, he speaks mm-hmm. to them in the storm. He identifies himself and says, don't be afraid, it's me. And then he delivers them. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. simple. Yeah. I mean, a five-year-old can get that. He comes, he speaks, he delivers. Right, right. And, you know, let's just let's just drill this down one more time. Faith, walking by faith rather than sight, which is what Paul says, you can see it right here because the sight would be looking at the circumstance, looking at the threat, right. over, over being overwhelmed by the circumstance and the potential well, the potential danger to well, yourself. No idiot would step out of the boat, right, right. let alone in a storm. <laughs> let alone in a storm. So, I mean, that's that's walking by sight, and there's nothing there's nothing really wrong with that. But what you have to do in walking by faith is to say, okay, that's big, and that threatens me, and th- th- there's a real danger right here. But what I prefer to do instead of dwelling on my inability mm-hmm. to deal with it, I'm gonna I'm gonna dwell on God's ability to deal with it. I'm not diminishing the size of the threat. I'm, I'm actually being realistic about the size of the threat. But what I'm saying is, but God is capable in this circumstance, even when I am not. And that's mm-hmm. what walking by faith is all about, is to actually give that to God and say, okay, God, you need to take this because this is clearly bigger than me. I'm literally in over my head here. So, <laughs> so But he you had given them precedent he had, in yeah. that previous incident. He had. Yeah. So, you know, they knew that he had the power to calm the storm. Which is why Jesus' comment is, why did you doubt? Why why did you doubt? You know enough to know not to doubt, but he did, yeah. And then just as a a silly, can I do a silly aside a little bit? You're gonna anyway, no matter what I say. (laughs) Well, my imagination rolls when I think about these scenes. When Jesus takes them by the hand, they still have to make their way back to the boat. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm with you. Uh, and I believe he's still holding his hand. Was was Peter walking on the water, or was he being dragged through the water? <laughs> See, that's the silly part. We don't know the answer to that. But I, but I've always wondered what that looked like as they came back to the boat. If it was important, somebody would have told yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. But I mean, if he was sinking at the point when Jesus took him by the hand, did he actually start walking on the water again? That would be interesting to know. But we don't know. Well, so we're just you know, the interesting thing to me is that when Jesus lays hold of him, grabs him. Right, that set me in mind. I was thinking, where have I run across that kind of expression before? Well, Paul says something very similar in Philippians 3 when he says, I press on to lay hold to of hold, that yeah. for which I have been laid hold of. Right, right? right. So this is this picture of uh, Peter needing to grasp onto Jesus, but it's Jesus who does the grabbing yeah. and the delivering, and yeah. he is holding on to Peter. Yeah. So it doesn't matter whether he's walking or being dragged. <laughs> And that is such a great thing that even when our faith is too little, we're not outside of his reach. No. So that's, I mean, that's just really, there's great, there's great truth in this tiny little story you can, you can glean. 
Oh, I, you know, we need to press on because there's do. some really sweet things that follow this. Okay, well, uh, you want me to read Yeah, from go here? ahead. Okay, we're going to pick up a little change of, uh, well, 34. Here we go. So when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. Uh, <laughs> neither Capernaum or Bethsaida, which is interesting. <laughs> That's where they were aiming, but this is where they ended up. They came to land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. Hmm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, we just in another context, we're just looking at the account of the woman with the flow of blood who, who came up behind Jesus and right, said, if I only touch right. the fringe of his garment. And when you come across that phrase, the fringe of his garment, you think, why that? Mm-hmm. Why do they think that? And other uh, Mark accounts, people pressing him and touching him. Luke accounts, people pressing and touching him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that power was coming from him when they touched him. Yeah. So... It says, as many as touched it were made well, not touched him, mm-hmm. right? They were they were delivered. They were saved. They were brought through that, yeah, that yeah. made well is an interesting word. But why the fringe of his garment? Did you think about that at all? Well, not too much, but you seem to have. I, I, I think it's beautiful. <laughs> it's a lovely, lovely picture. Yeah. Why would they expect to be healed if they just touched the, the little flapping edge right, of his... Right of his robe or his cloak Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well it's because i think probably because of a prophecy from malachi and if you look back malachi is the very last page of your old testament Uh, (laughs) malachi Malachi 4 verse 2 says but for you who fear my name the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings in the edges in the fringes and you'll go forth and skip about like calves from the stall so it's a very clear statement about what's going to happen when Messiah comes, the sun of righteousness, right? The dawning mm-hmm, of a new mm-hmm. day. And so for people who are thinking, oh, if this really is him, if I just touch the fringes, I'll be healed. I'll yeah, be able to yeah. leap around like a calf. So, no, it, it's, it may be a, an incomplete understanding of what's being said there, but it's, a, it's kind of an interesting picture. The crowds knew mm-hmm. uh, this is the, the dawning of a new day. This is the sun of righteousness. Yes. Sun, S-U-N in Malachi. Right, right. Right, but uh, Revelation and Second Peter both refer to him as the morning star, yeah. right? The beginning of a new day. And so uh, this idea of touching the fringe of his garment, I think, is a clear statement of their belief that this is the son of righteousness. This is the one who will heal us. This is Messiah. Yeah, that that possibly could be. Yeah, I've never thought of it that deeply before. I always always take a much more pragmatic approach to this thing. Well, I know you do. Well, well, because it says so many people came. I mean, they went collecting people from a huge region. So it's like, I don't think we have the time for each person to have a personal interview. No. And so so they implored Jesus. They said, can we do it this way? Can they just touch the fringe of your garment and that'll work? And no, I'm not sure they asked permission. Well, I think they just pressed in. It, they, it says they implored him that they might only touch oh, the fringe. Oh, I guess that's, See, that's so, true. So it was kind of, it, again, it was sort of a crowd control thing. But I like your approach better. Well, and I want to say one more thing about this idea of the son of righteousness, that Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, in this beautiful song that he sings at the birth of John the Baptist, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. actually alludes to that same passage. When he talks about his son, 
right, John the Baptist, who's going to go before the Lord to prepare his ways. This right, is in Luke right. 1, 76 and 77. To give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high shall visit, shall us. visit us. So yeah. there's Zacharias drawing a straight line from Malachi's prophecy to John the Baptist be announcing mm-hmm, the sunrise mm-hmm. from on high visiting us. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, those people who were close to the story or who knew their knew their scriptures were making the connection. Mm-hmm. This is yeah. the sunrise. Yep, yep. This is the new day. And of course, the people in Gennesaret too. Some of them might have traveled over to Capernaum or Bethsaida sure. to where the action was going, or even in the wilderness. I mean, they might have been there, but it probably was not a lot because Gennesaret's over on the western side of the lake, and these other little villages are on the northern and northeastern side. So, so here, here is just a great opportunity. They may have only heard about what Jesus was doing, right? And said, now that he's here, now that he's deliberately come to our shore on purpose, here's our big chance. And so they gather people from a huge region. And, uh, and bring him to him. And as many as touched him were made well. Okay, so we're running out of time. But yeah. pay attention if you go back and reread this story, how much touch mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Who is touching whom? Jesus is, is assertively reaching out and touching and grabbing yes. Peter. And the people are reaching out to touch Jesus. Touch yeah. is a very important detail in yep. this story. It is. And I'll add one more slight observation of compassion in this story. In John's gospel, it says that when Jesus got in the boat, they were immediately at Gennesaret. Boom, just like that. And here's these guys who are in the middle of the lake, totally exhausted, I mean, just spent. And Jesus says, I've got this. And as soon as he gets in the boat, they're there. What a great, what a great mm. loving thing he did just to spare them that last effort getting to the shore because they're halfway, they're in the middle of the lake and it's a big, long way. So yeah, these these little stories have so much packed in them because we understand human nature. We understand how people do things. And so it doesn't take you much to unwind what people are thinking, what the emotions are, what their aspirations are, and their hopes placed in Jesus as he shows up on their shore. Great stuff. Well, we are out of time. You know, next time as we continue, we're going to turn the page into chapter 15. And as we do that, we're going to see what it's actually one of my favorite sections of scripture where all of a sudden there's going to be a collision between man-made traditions Mm -hmm. and God's commandments and how those mix us up and how they tend to steer us in the wrong directions. And it sounds like a pretty dry material, but again, it's in the context of humans relating to humans relating to Jesus. So you're not going to miss that because it really, it really is fun. And it kind of harkens back to some observations that I like to point out in John too. So we're going to get there. I'm Jim. And I'm Dorothy. And we hope you Join us again as we continue on this incredible adventure that Matthew is. So we'll see you next time on More Than Ink. There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website, morethaninc.org. And while you're there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself, and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. Okay, I think we did everything right now. Okay, that's up to you. (laughs) This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.